Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. This is going to be a real life stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We're going to be talking to missionaries again. As you guys know, if you've been listening the past few weeks, we've started interviewing missionaries that we support here at our local church, Grace Point, and it's been really, really cool. We have uh, let, let me reel them off for you real quick. Uh, we had, quick. We had Chris Carter, missionary to Japan, Tim Land, missionary to Africa, John Bean, Slovakia, Mark Turney, Togo, Africa. So we've had all of these amazing missionary stories. They are just super inspiring. And I hope that you listen to them. And then when you're done, I hope that you tell someone else about it, that you share it because they're just so, so great. And, and I love to hear what God is doing throughout the world. And today we're going to have a missionary Josh Lovelace to Cambodia. He's going to be hopping on with us. So that's going to be cool. Like, share, and subscribe to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We've been getting Dr. R.B. Maynard. He's back into the swing of things, recovered from his shoulder surgery. So he's knocking out the verse by verse episodes, all kind of good stuff here on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Well, let's go ahead and dive into it and welcome in our, our missionary for the day, Josh Lovelace from Cambodia. Hey, Josh, how are you, sir? Doing very well. Thanks for having me on today. Good. And thank you for joining us all, all the way across, halfway across the world, or however far that is from southwest Missouri here in Cambodia. Yeah, we're 12 time zones away. So when it's okay. uh, 8 in the morning there, it's 8 night here. So okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate you making the sacrifice and, and working with that time change and all of that good stuff. Really, really appreciate it. So we're excited to hear your story and what God's been doing in and through you in terms of missions in Cambodia. Why don't you give the audience just a little idea of who you are in your bio? Yeah, well, I'm from Missouri. I was born and raised in uh, the Springfield area. And so uh, growing up there and growing up in the Assemblies of God, uh, my parents were always involved with uh, with church and ministry. They were just uh, lay leaders, part of a CA ministry, Christ Ambassadors Ministries back in the 70s. And so Growing up in church and being a part of church was just a part of life. And so for me, um, I never really sensed any specific call to full-time ministry or missions, uh, actually until I was in my late teens. But then uh, when God started to deal with me about it and just uh, understanding this was the plan, this was the opportunity, and surrendering to that, then going to Central Bible College and getting trained and getting ready, and then um, years later, meeting my wife, also having a strong, strong heart for mission and for call to serve in specifically here in Southeast Asia. For me, it was more just general call to mission, but for her, more of being in a place like Cambodia because she had been here before and a few other places in Asia. So uh, after we had met and started dating and just seeing how God brought us together and then looking ahead for future opportunities, um, it just seemed like this is where God was leading and then arriving here in Cambodia in 2010 and uh, just being active involved ever since then. So, Yeah, that's awesome. So you grew up in just a very strong Christian home, Christian parents that love the Lord, right, you said? Absolutely. Uh, my parents are both uh, from Missouri also. My dad's from West Plains. My mom's from Seymour. They grew up in Christian homes. And so uh, being a part of church, being a part of ministry was just always who they were and their parents and their grandparents as well. So there's a lot of heritage that we have, uh, a lot of Pentecostal heritage in our family, but a specific, specifically within the Assemblies of God. So it's a, I'm very thankful for the heritage that I have growing up in that kind of home and environment. 
Wow. Did you feel a lot of pressure to have to serve the Lord, to have to be something in terms of ministry? Was that burden put on you or did you have any pressure like that? I never really felt pressure. Um, you know, with going to church, I never questioned it or doubted it. It just, um, because I could see the way my parents lived. It wasn't just, we're only Christians on Sunday, but it was something that we we live our lives for Christ, and the Bible is is our guide. That's our standard, and that's seeing it lived out, and seeing that there's a difference between those who belong to Christ and who are faithfully committed to Him, and those who live according to the ways of the world. I could see the difference, and I could see the real, genuine sincerity that my parents had. So for me, um, there was not really a struggle, but it was more of a desire and a longing to follow their example and watch them as they were active and serving in the local church. Okay. And what were they doing now? You said they were involved in youth ministry or did they have other roles as well? Yeah. First, um, when I was born, they were involved with um, youth ministries and with the CA ministries, Christ ambassadors. But my mom also helped with worship. And then my dad at different times had served as a, a deacon in the church so um, just being lay leaders, but being act- active and involved, and um, just uh, wherever there was a need, my parents were just willing servants. That was mm. their heart. And uh, however the church needed support, they were always there to do the best that they could in supporting uh, the church and the ministries there. And as you were growing up, was missions something that was preached about, talked a lot? Were your parents and your family active in short missions trips or foreign missions in any way? Interestingly enough, no. Um, the church where I grew up, um, first uh, within the Assemblies of God, and then for a while we went to like, it was a Pentecostal but non-AG church as well. Um, I never remember hearing uh, missionaries come to our church. Wow. Um, the only thing <laughs> I could remember was we were attending a small AG church in Fordland, just east of Springfield, and we had a project that we did every year called Christmas in July that we would get Christmas presents or make offerings and financial contributions to get gifts to send to the missionaries in Africa and Asia. We'd send it in July because it would take three or four months to get there. Mm-hmm. That was the only mission project that we ever did. So for me, I never really heard missionaries preached um, until I was in my probably my high school years, probably 16, 17 and at that time, we started. We were attending James River, a church when it was much, much smaller. But mm-hmm. the church had regular missionaries, and that was the first exposure I really had to hearing missionaries who were on furlough or doing itineration. Wow, I think it's interesting as we hear. I, I love hearing the stories of uh, some of the missionaries. Uh, it seems like almost all the missionaries we had so far grew up in solid Christian homes, parents that loved the Lord. And for me, that's always interesting here because I'm a first generation Christian, and now I have ki- okay. kids, you know, that are Christians. And it's sometimes it really weirds me out because I'm like, whoa, like I have Christian kids, and like, are they going to follow the Lord? And and it, it, it's weird. It, it scares me. Uh, but one thing I've always thought about is, you know, I don't want to put pressure on them to have to, to be me or be in ministry, you know, or create some identity for them that is not their own. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I want them to be and praise God. They both want to be missionaries. So praise the Lord. I give God praise oh, for wonderful. that. And they're in the process yeah. of pursuing that. So that's great, you know, and that's like dream come true for me. But, uh, you know, I think there's, you know, kind of 
you know, I hear the stories of sometimes it's like, you know, oh, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to be a missionary. You're going to be a pastor. And that can be, you know, sometimes that can be a good thing and not a good thing, too, if that's not really what God's doing in the life of a young person. Absolutely. I agree. And I'm thankful I never really had that pressure. And now that being a father with two kids that are 12 and 8, they've lived most of their life here in Asia. But we don't don't ever say pressure. This is the path. Just like dad and mom, you need to follow this. It's more of, guys, this is what we're doing. This is a season. If God continues it to where you guys go on and do this career or whatever opportunity God has for you, they'll always have a special draw, of course, toward Asia and toward Cambodia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there's never the push making them think, well, in 10 years, you've got to have this done and this done so you can come and help dad and mom. It's more of, guys, let's just seek God. Let's see what he wants to do, and let's just follow his leading wherever it is in whatever career. So, Yeah, that's awesome. So praise God. You grew up in a Christian home. You're serving the Lord. You have a passion love for God. Let's talk about that call, though, for a minute as God yep. gives you that call to you know pursue a ministry. I mean, talk to me about that a little bit. Was it did Jesus just walk into your room and sit right down by your bedside and say, Josh, or, or how did that look, sound? Well, it was uh, quite interesting. I, after I graduated high school, I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, my parents encouraged me to go to Central Bible College just for a semester um, to really see if maybe God would want me to go into ministry, but also I had friends going there. And so I went there for one semester just as the first part of college to see what it was like. And to be honest, I didn't really enjoy it that much, and I just thought, okay, if God's going to call me to ministry, it'll happen, and it never did. So I left that and started going to a different college in Springfield. And while I was there, one of the classes I had, we were doing cultural studies and geographical studies. And one night I was at home and I was working on studies. And while I was reading about these countries in Central Africa, God got a hold of my heart. And it wasn't audible, but it might as well have been where God just spoke to my heart and said, this is what I'm directing you to do. I'm calling you to be a missionary to people like this and places like this. And to be honest, it terrified me. And I thought, (laughs) I know the voice of God, and I knew it was God, but I said, God, not me. I said, I know a hundred other people who could do this, but I don't don't think I could do it. I don't want to do it. And to my shame, I I walked away from it for a year. I said, I don't want anything to do with that. I still went to church. I was still committed, but I felt so much conviction and guilt every single day. And I just knew (laughs) what it was, and I couldn't get away from it. And Finally, after a year, I was just so upset, depressed, frustrated, and I knew it was just because I hadn't surrendered. And I'll never forget, it was June 3rd, 1997, and I kept this to myself. I hadn't told a single person, and I just finally got home one night after work, and I was upset and frustrated. I just said, God, I'm going to finally open my heart, pour out my heart, and just surrender to you. Nobody knows about any of this. Nobody knows what's happened. Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to surrender and trust you, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to confirm this through some person that even tomorrow someone will come up to me and (laughs) confirm these things. And I just started getting specific. I started saying, God, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this, but I want you to do these things tomorrow. I was working at Bass Pro Shops at the time in Springfield. Praise God. I was working in their catalog department, working with customer service and things like that. And talking to people all around the world, all around the nation, all the time. And the next day I'm at my desk and I'm talking to people and giving product information, customer service work. 
And I was talking to a guy, I think he was from Texas. I'd never talked to him before. And at the end of the call, he just said, hey, thanks for your help. What is your name again? I said, Josh. And he paused for about three or four seconds, and he just said, Josh, (laughs) you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he just said, God just spoke something to my heart. Do you mind if I just share with you for a few moments? And I said, sure, go ahead. And for the next three or four minutes, everything that I'd prayed about the (laughs) night before, this guy began to name item after item after item. And at one point he stopped. He's like, does any of this make any sense to you at all? And I said, yes, it makes perfect, perfect sense of what I've been dealing with and what God's been putting in my heart. So immediately I dropped everything, went back to Central Bible College, got my degree in missions, and I just really felt that maybe God was directing me toward Central Africa because that's where it started. Mm -hmm. So I'd met some missionaries working in Chad, Africa, talked to different people, and we were putting together a team to go over in the year 2005. By this time, I was serving at a church part-time in Springfield and also working at AG headquarters. Uh, I had my credentials at the time, so I'm just looking for the things of the future and just trying to plan. Well, we get everything ready for this trip to go to Chad, and then everything just fell apart. It didn't work out. I was really upset, frustrated, just thinking, you know, God, I've given all these things up. I've surrendered and followed. I've been wanting to go into missions now, planning to go, and then this happens. Why did this happen this way? And the Lord just kind of spoke to me. This was July of 2005. He just spoke and just said, just wait and see what I'll do in my timing. I didn't know what that meant, but I just thought, well, I've trusted God all these years. I'll trust him and see what happens. Well, the same time I should have been in Africa with that trip, I happened to have a friend who said, hey, I'm having some friends come over. We're going to have a gathering on Thursday night. Do you want to come over just to have some food and fellowship? And I said, you know, I could really do that because I was upset about the trip and upset about all these other things. So I get there to this group of people, other people who worked at AG headquarters, and I knew everybody at this party, at this gathering, I knew everybody there except for this one young girl. And this one young girl, she knew everybody there except for me. And Mm -hmm. so the long story short (laughs) is it proved that, number one, matchmaking does work because we had friends working behind the scenes. But it also proves that, number two, guys are clueless as to what's going on because I had no idea. Yeah. So I was ambushed, and they brought us together, and her name was Carmen, and she had this heart for missions and to serve in Cambodia. And so we started talking and started dating, and then we could see how God was putting everything together when I should have been in Africa the trip was canceled, and I met this girl from Kansas who wants to go to Cambodia and be a missionary. And so that's how our call kind of got joined together. And from that point, it was just full speed ahead toward serving and living here in uh, Cambodia and working among the Khmer people. So, Wow, that's awesome. Talk to me for a second about your advice or give me your advice to young people. You had mentioned when you, know, you graduated high school, weren't for sure what to do. You know, went to Bible college. What's your advice for young people today that find themselves in that same place, you know, graduating high school, don't really know what to do, don't really know what God's plan for my life is? What do you say to them? I I personally, I do think taking at least a semester and going to one of our AG Bible schools is a good option, uh, or any Bible school for that matter, because I'll admit that even though I never really felt God directing me toward being in full-time ministry while I was there. And even though, like I said, I didn't really enjoy it, it was really a good perspective and a good transition from high school 
to being more responsible and entering more of adulthood and going to college um, because I think it was during that time that it really made my heart more sensitive because it was just a few months later that God spoke to me specifically about going into missionary work. So I think for young people, if they have the opportunity to do it, it's an opportunity to really have your heart open and to just to be sensitive to what God's going to direct you to do. Um, because we just, during that time, it just it, I look back now and I realize it really made my heart open and more sensitive to the things mm-hmm. of God, being in that environment, being in, in daily chapel services and having professors who had such a love for the scriptures, but also such experience and understanding in describing the call of God, the plan of God. So I think that's something that young people could really use as far as the next step, even if they go to another school after that, but just having that opportunity to let your heart be open and sensitive to the things of God. Yeah, and that's really a truth that's applicable to all of our lives, whether we're young people trying to figure out God's call for life or now that we're adults. But environment plays a huge role in your ability to hear the voice of God and to allow God to speak yes. to you, you know, on, on, on every level, every, every age group, every yes. generation. So. Absolutely. And I, I think that's even now we, we serve with a Bible school here in Cambodia and I tell people the environment of people coming, there's just something unique and special about being in that environment of people who are just looking at the same time of having their heart open and sensitive and just searching and seeking God and having that environment. It really does play a huge role of um, setting our course in the next uh, months and years to come. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, you know, even in people that might listen to this podcast that might be, you know, as they hear a story, well, you know, find themselves like, well, I wonder what God wants to do. And they hear a story of the missionary, like, well, maybe God wants me to do something or what am I supposed to do in life? And, and I would challenge you today. What, what, what are you in an environment is your daily life positioned in a place where God could speak to you? Do you have a healthy spiritual environment where if God wanted to speak to you, just like to you, Josh, or the, some of the other missionaries that we've spoken to, do you find yourself in an environment that is that will help facilitate you being able to hear the voice of God and how he would like to speak to you? I challenge Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's very crucial for for all of us. And even for me now, I'm still just at that place of still learning more about of how to quiet things out and find a place and just have the environment of just being able, whether it's through prayer or through um, reading the scriptures or just talking to another good friend of just how we can go through the journey together. But being surrounded in that way, I agree totally that that really helps us be pointed in the in the right direction as we uh, as we serve the Lord. Yeah. One thing that you brought up that I think it's, it's kind of funny as you're sharing, uh, God speaking to you. Number one, I was like, it seemed like Josh, you know, he's very frustrated, angry person there for a while, but (laughs) you bring up a good point is that, that I believe what you're trying to say is this not following God's plan will make you very frustrated in life. When you don't follow what God is speaking and wanting you to do, you will, no matter whether you're a missionary uh, or not, you will find yourself very frustrated in life. Respond to that. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, I, I have firsthand experience and understanding of frustration. And uh, it was basically just, for me, the lack of surrender. And I look back and I realize I know God worked in my heart and my life through that 
time, thankfully, by his grace, he did. But I also realized if I had just merely surrendered all of that frustration of it was about 14 months of just being frustrated and discouraged and even depressed, <laughs> I, did, I wouldn't have had to go through that. But I learned the value of surrender and just being able to have your heart and just turned over to him and allowing him to direct paths and take me to the next step. So absolutely, having a surrendered heart can really save the headache of being frustrated and angry and, and facing those uh, things that weigh on you. Surrendering just releases it unto God. Yeah, and I speak to the, speak that to those of you that might be listening today. You're like, oh, I'm frustrated or questioning or trying to figure out life. Well, just easier said than done. Today, why don't you just say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender the frustration. I surrender the lack of knowing exactly where I'm going. And ju I just surrender that to you today in Jesus' name. So do that. Hey, so you talked about uh, you go to this uh, hangout session with, with people. You meet your wife. And uh, talk to me about, as uh, expand on that a little bit more as you guys meet. And uh, was it instant connection? You fell in love and then you just hopped on a plane next week and went to Cambodia? Or how did that work, flush itself out? Well, to be honest, um, you know, for me, knowing that I was planning and preparing to go to the mission field, um, I never really dated people, never really had a girlfriend because I knew if I'm going to the mission field, it's got to be somebody like-minded to the T just because um, I can't take somebody or go with somebody that's not going to be committed <laughs> to the mission. So at first I was just thinking, wow, she seems like a very sweet and pretty and friendly girl. But I didn't know anything else about her. But then a few days later, I found out that uh, she had gone to uh, an AG Bible school, studied intercultural studies, wanted to be a missionary. Then after that, it was like, okay, the, the connection at that point uh, caused me to ask for more about her and want to know more. And then, and then we started, uh, started dating shortly after that and learning more about each other's uh, just call and heart and uh, longing to uh, to serve overseas. So it was a just a process, you know, as we were going through that. But then um, after we first started dating, it was we got married. It was uh, 13 months later. We just really could see that God had brought things together. And then uh, from that point, it just really started feeling like uh, just the next step, the next step, the next step until we uh, until we got here to Cambodia in 2010. Wow. And did you ever think, you know, as you're getting married, you're like, you know, we should get married at Precious Moments Chapel in Carthage, Missouri. That would be like probably the best place in the world to get. I'm just kidding. It's a total you know, inside that would Carthage be a great joke. Place for it, though. <laughs> anyway, hey, talk to me. Part of my uh, doing these podcasts, there's there's part selfish motive here because I have girls, two teenage girls that are graduating, going to be missionaries and uh, they're beautiful young women. Talk to me, and whether it's women or guys or whatever, talk to me about the importance of finding the right person, uh, the, the right mate, you know, as you're talk, talk about how important that is, you know, because I mean, you couldn't meet like if uh, your wife, your now wife, if you know, you met her and she was like, well, I like missions, you know, I, yeah. right. You, you know, you have to find that person that is compatible. And, and I don't know if this is correct, but this is what I'm really preaching to my daughters right now is that girls, you're calling the, the most sacred, beautiful thing that you have in your life is the calling of God in your life. Nothing is more sacred than what God has called you to do. You only get one life, one shot to do that. And so everything has to revolve around that. And so I could be a little off on that, but give me your advice on that to those that might be listening, young people. 
I, I agree, Pastor. I, I believe that the calling is um, it's a sacred thing. It's a special thing. But for any person that is in any walk of life and they're, you know, in church and they're wanting to, you know, get married or have a family or whatever, the most important thing you can do is have someone who has a genuine faith and love for God. And uh, that's looking at so many friends who grew up in church and then marrying someone who was not involved in church and did not have a genuine commitment to God and then seeing their marriage last only so many years in just a short time, hmm. uh, that was hard hard to see. And for me, knowing that, okay, God's directing me towards missionary work, um, the I only have one shot, like you said. And so for me, that was kind of reason why for me, <laughs> I just chose not to really date anyone because I'm thinking, I don't know if anybody's willing to go to the missionary field, but if they are, you know, God will provide it. But yeah. I just realized that, you know, I've got to make sure my life, number one, is aligned to God's calling. And in due time, if he has someone special for me like he did, he, he'll bring them into my life. Um, but just not getting sidetracked. And I think that was the point and the focus of just following God, following the Holy Spirit's direction, you know, looking at the scriptures and seeing uh, the example that I need to live and the way I need to live. So over time, it, it somewhat became second nature of just being committed and focused to it. But even when Carmen came into my life, the same commitment was there in my life, but I could see it in hers as well. So mm -hmm. it complemented and balanced. Um, and so when that came together, we just immediately, within a few months, we already knew we wanted to get married just because we could see our call, our life, everything. It pointed toward Christ. It pointed toward the mission field. Um, but, you know, I was 29 when I got married. Carmen was 26. So, yeah, there was a long time of waiting and wondering if either <laughs> of us would ever get married. And, of course, our parents and grandparents asked that question many, many, many right, times. Right. But it was it was something that we knew and we, were, we had it in our heart. We had those firm convictions and the persuasion in our heart. Um, but it was still the process of just simply daily being surrendered to God, following after his call. Yeah. Wow. Um, talk to me now about the process. You know, you, you get the, you know, you have the call, the call to be a missionary. You, you find the wife, you know, you're, you're obviously actively in the church. You're serving Jesus. You're, you're serving the church, but I think it's always so unique, the process that God has for us each, you know, individually and the process from, it, it, it's never overnight. It's never, it never is heart, rarely a month or a year, but God's process from point A to, you know, B, C, stepping into the call, it's, it's very usually, um, you know, it takes a while. Talk to me about how, you know, going from I'm called to be a missionary to actually stepping on the field for the first time, you know, not only the amount of time, but the process that went into all of that. You know, I, I think, um, when Paul's writing about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, the, for me, the one that I've had to wrestle the most and learn the most is the fourth one, and that is patience. It's definitely about patience. And once again, that just connects to the, the heart of surrender, the mind of surrender, just being surrendered to God. But patience for sure, because um, when God first started dealing with me about you know, going into missions and becoming a missionary, I was I was 19, 
and then when we arrived on the field, um, I was 33 years old. So it was 14 <laughs> years wow. of waiting. For Carmen, she was called <laughs> when she was 13. And for her, she when we arrived on the field, she was 30. So it was 17 years. Wow. And so I, I'm always, you know, when I try to explain and tell young people, it's like, yep. you know, I think of the life of Moses a lot. 40 years as a prince, 40 <laughs> years in the wilderness, and 40 years as a leader, once again in the wilderness. But it's that process of learning, but also I think the cement and the foundation mm. is, is patience, that the Holy Spirit has to just help us daily to have that. Because, yeah, it's it's a process, because even getting approved, going through the hoops of getting the approvals, yeah. <laughs> and then preaching and teaching, going to all the churches and getting people to support and get behind the vision, it's it's a long process, but I think that process is based on patience, really. Wow, we so many good thoughts that you have already shared. But let's talk about now Cambodia and when you step into the mission field. Tell tell me about that and how has life been as a missionary and what you've done and the ministry you've had on the mission field. Yeah, so when we arrived in 2010, um, priority one, object one was learn the language, and thankfully. Uh, praise God, we were able to plug into a university and uh, learn the Khmer language. And so um, that was the first uh, year and a half of that term was just learning language, learning culture, building relationships. And um, after that, we moved to the northwest part of Cambodia and we're working with youth and small groups and discipleship. And I started teaching and preaching in the Khmer language at that time. And um, just setting things up for future ministry opportunities. When we came back for our second term, um, some of the leaders, they asked if we would serve at our Bible school full-time. And so uh, they asked me to serve as the academic dean. So I got plugged in there at 2014 when we came back for our second term. So we've been um, at the Bible school, Cambodia Bible Institute, ever since, um, working, teaching, training, overseeing the administration there for the school and so uh, being a part of that of just training future pastors and future leaders and helping them so that they can reach their people it's uh, one of the most effective things that we can do um, and just walking alongside them and, and supporting them in their churches and their ministries um, I love just going to their churches whether I've, I've been asked to go and preach there or just to be there and just encourage and support the people um, really, it's, it's about partnership. As we work with our national church, the Assemblies of God, Cambodia, it's uh, we try to make it a hand-in-hand partnership that one's not the master and one's not the servant, but we're walking together and doing that through the Bible school, facilitating through Cambodia Bible Institute, we can train the next generation of pastors and leaders and have an impact on their life now and then also as they're in ministry continue in ministry years on down the road. We have that ongoing partnership and friendship. Mm-hmm. So we're thankful for that, that we've had an opportunity just to be a part of many lives, those who come through the Bible school and be a part of their lives, be a part of their churches and their ongoing ministries. I know this is just a little side note here for a second, but why is it so important to learn the language? Why, you know, every missionary I talk to, what'd you do when you got there? Oh, we had to learn the language. Well, why aren't you preaching the gospel and, building churches and do all this other stuff. Come on, man. What's going on here? Tell me about that for a second. I I know it's important. I'm not doubting that, but just speak on that. 
Well, just to to know the heart of the people, you have to know their heart language, and there are so many other things that come with the language that you really learn the culture, you learn the behaviors, you learn their worldview, and how it all ties together, and um, it really gives you the perspective, the uniqueness of the people group by learning the language, because there's so much more to it, and to be honest, it's just a lot more fun. It really makes life much easier and much more enjoyable when you can just sit down with a bowl of rice and just chat and jabber and talk to them, and they can talk to you, and it's coming from their heart, and you can really hear and and build that relationship. I think the here in Cambodia, there's such a hierarchy from top bottom. You have the administration up top, people who are the boss, the big man, and then everybody who's below, there's really a huge gap between leader and follower. But the thing that bridges that gap, that makes the distance shrink, is being able to know the language and know their heart and build friendships, and it brings everything to common ground. So I think of all the friends that I've got here, all the Cambodian friends, when we first come, they see us as the missionary, the outsiders, so they have this high respect for us. Mm-hmm. But then as we learn the language and we just become partners and friends, it brings common ground to where it's all level, and they can open their hearts, they can share, they see us as people that they can trust, work with, partner with, and it makes life come together really through unity and harmony as we work together in the kingdom of God. Wow. What's some of the biggest lessons learned uh, since you've been on the field? Oh, Once again, I think patience, you, it's um, such an important thing of just being patient the way things because life is so different here I tell everybody Cambodia is not just another country it's a whole another world the way things function and operate and so just being patient really helps you go with the flow of things um, I think also um, being able to admit your faults and make fun of yourself and humor yourself by your mistakes lets yourself lets you yourself but also others know that you're just you're human and that you're capable of of uh, not being 100% of the time correct, I you know, 100% of the time. Yeah. I think also of just um, keeping the perspective of, of the kingdom of God. You know, we do so many things here, but if we start to lose perspective that we're here for the kingdom, um, it can allow a lot of things to really take over what we should be doing. So I think those things of just having patience also just being easygoing and realizing it's not going to be perfect all the time, but then making sure we have the mindset and the focus that what we do is it's for the king and for the king's business and for kingdom purposes. Yeah. Um, just a lot of lessons through those, through those areas. That's uh, it's, I'm still learning, still learning those areas myself, but it helps <laughs> me uh, through the journey as we focus on those things. Yeah. Wow. What's some of your, your favorite, maybe just one or two of your, your biggest or favorite God moments that you've had since you've been there? Mm. Whether it be someone that got saved or a miracle you saw or something in that regards. I remember um, it was our first term. We were living in the northwest part of the country. And um, I remember there was a guy that we'd buy our water from. We'd buy these large 20-liter bottles and we'd get them filled and change them out and take them back every week. So I'd take him empty bottles, and he'd fill them with purified water. And uh, 
he uh, we he and I would chat. He was always a friendly guy, really easygoing. And uh, I remember one day he came out, and I could just tell there was something wrong. He wasn't smiling. He wasn't happy like he always was. And I just asked him, I'm like, what's wrong? I was like, what's going on? How are you doing? And he just looked at me and said, I have no hope in this life. And he began to share all these problems with me and just began to open up. I mean, before we would always just chit-chat, but he just began to open up and say, I don't have hope. I don't have hope. I don't have hope in this and this and this. All these problems. Mm-hmm. And that day... I just began to share with him, well, let me tell you about the hope that I have. And I just began to share. And he didn't become a believer And that day. And after that, we had moved to a different place, so I'd lost contact with him. But it just opened my perspective that day to realize how so many people, wherever you go around the world, they have that same story. I don't have hope. And I'll never forget just talking to him and sharing with him, but then after that, it just left such a heaviness on my heart and reminded me of this is why we're here, to share the message of hope. And that really encouraged me more of just taking moments wherever I am in any way I can to share about Christ. And however I can, if it isn't just a simple word or through an act of kindness, but that was really a turning point early on. We'd only been in Cambodia about two years at that point. Um, but it was something that just opened my perspective to realize how so many just feel hopeless. Um, it was a huge point. I think another time um, of being on the field that really um, kind of changed my perspective and just helped me um, through the process I think it was um, just through some of the personal things that we've gone through as well. Um, during our first term, um, Carmen had two miscarriages pretty much back-to-back, mm-hmm. and it was a hard, trying time, and we were fairly isolated where we were living at the time. Um, and so it wasn't more of a ministry moment, but it was more of a just a personal, enduring moment, and it taught us a lot about ourselves, but it also taught us a lot about God and once again the calling of coming back because if we hadn't had the calling, to be honest, we would have just left at that point Hmm. to go through those kind of things. So when I think about things that just inspired me from the beginning, talking to that guy that one day of just the message of hope, it stirred my heart more than ever for personal evangelism and just sharing hope. But then also just remembering some of the personal things we've gone through, it's reminded me that once again we lean on the call of God and know that God's called us no matter what we face, if it is high or low, up or down, uncertainty or certainty, um, we just have to trust and we have to follow knowing that he'll provide and he'll prepare the way for us. Yeah, that's great. Hey, so many good thoughts. Love hearing about your life, your story, your ministry, your family. Those that might be listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast uh, and want to follow your family further, how could they do that? You can uh, find us on Facebook, uh, Josh and Carmen Lovelace, L-O-V-E-L-A-C-E. We're both on Facebook, and we love to connect with people. And uh, we've got our personal Facebook, but also a uh, uh, missionary Facebook, just so we can stay connected to people 
and so you can follow the journey as we go through life and ministry here in Cambodia, and uh, we just love to hear from people all around the world so we can share the, share the journey together. That's great. Josh, thank you so much for being on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I know people are going to love hearing this one, and we really, really appreciate it. So those of you that are listening, thank you so much. I Again, I encourage you, after you get done listening to this, that you might send it to someone, DM someone. It's been great. This has been a Real Life Stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time.